For today, we're going to start this new series called Bad Advice. Now, your first thought was probably, hey, I can get bad advice anywhere. I come to church to get good advice. But uh, here's the thought. Uh, most of us live our lives as though we're listening to some bad advice, at least out of one ear, you know, parts of what we do. Uh, and, you know, uh, call now, just five easy payments of $99.95, and uh, it will be yours. Go ahead, try it. You know, nobody will ever know if you just try it. One time's not going to hurt in any way at all. All this gluten-free exercise stuff, it ain't what it's cracked up to be. Have a donut. You know, that would be, you know, uh, we hear all kinds of advice coming in, uh, not all about things that we would consider terribly immoral. Sometimes it just dr makes us drift in life. And so what Todd and I plan to do over the course of this month in this series is to give you some bad advice, but in the church context. And when we do that, I think a lot of us would have to say, well, yeah, I, I do that. Yeah, I, I took that advice. I didn't even realize what I was doing. And then once we see the bad, bad advice for what it really is, we'll look at some good advice from God's Word and, and see what difference that can make in our lives. So for today, let's start by thinking about this particular question. And I might ask you to raise your hand in a minute, but, but not now. Who could raise their hand, though, and say, I'm closer to God today than I have ever been at any time in my life. I'm more passionate about God right now than I've ever been. I'm more passionate about studying His Word. I'm more passionate about worshiping. I'm more passionate about coming to church. I'm more passionate about helping others. I'm more passionate about praying and sharing my faith than ever before at any time in my life. I'm more excited about what God has done for me than I have ever been before. Uh, could, if, could you raise your hand and say that? That's okay. Most of us don't. There's one or two that could raise their hand. Might have been somebody else that said, well, I would raise my hand, but, you know, not that many people do it. Most of, most of us did not raise our hand to that. So today we're going to begin our bad advice series with this, this thought, how to drift from God. How is it that one time I was really close to God, and now I'm not as close to God as I should be? Now, on the Florida Gulf Coast, we know a little bit about drifting because we've been to the beach, right? And we've walked out into the water, and all of a sudden, we were way down, drifted way down from where we started. When we go as a family, especially when all the grandkids are around, Jean is the, is the sunscreen queen. You know, she's rubbing everybody down, being sure to get the umbrella, get everybody under, don't get a sunburn kind of thing. And I'm the guy that watches everybody drift. I get out there, and I'm kind of drifting with them a little bit, you know, hey, get, get out, go back up. Oh, you know what I'm talking about. That current just takes you down the beach. And, and, and when you drift, you didn't realize it was happening. The current was just kind of taking you down. And you thought you were still in the same place that you always had been. But suddenly you lifted up your eyes and you thought, where am I? How did I get way down here? It's drifting. So it's dangerous because the drifting, it separates you from your group, sometimes gets you off all by yourself. And it can make you more susceptible to the undertow that we have in Florida, you know, kind of suck you right back out. That fits a lot in with the thought and the scriptures we're going to read 
today. I don't have to say it happens to me. You know, when I go to the, I, I, when I'm out in the water, if I'm not really paying attention to what's going on, I drift down the way. And I know that that's what happens in our relationship with Jesus. You know, we trust Jesus to save us from our sins and to take us into God's family and to give us the gift of eternal life and, and everything is great. We feel good about it. We're excited. We're loving and we're working and we're praying and we just want to do things for people and give things to people. By the way, if you don't have that, if you never had that kind of relationship uh, with God through Christ where you trusted in him, just hang in. I think there's going to be things in this, uh, uh, this for you as well. But for those of us who had that, have had that experience, those of us who have trusted Christ and have drifted, you know, one day you realize, hey, things aren't the way they used to be. I've drifted from God. I've drifted out of his grace and out of his love and out of his mercy and out of his strength and out of his goodness. And we don't know exactly how it happened and we don't even know exactly where we are, but we know that we're not where we used to be. In the book of the New Testament called Hebrews, the writer begins in chapter one by talking about how great Jesus is. You know, he's the creator and he's the very image of God. He wins, you know, uh, he, all enemies will be put under his feet and things of that nature. With this idea in mind that, that Jesus is supremely great and has final victory, uh, Hebrews chapter two and verse one says this, with that in mind, we must pay most careful attention, therefore, to what we've heard. Because Jesus is so great, we have to pay really careful attention so that we do not drift away. If we're not very careful and don't, don't watch things all the time, we will drift away from that great thing that we have in Jesus. I don't mean go to hell. I'm not talking about that at all. I'm talking about just drift away in our life and suddenly there's nothing exciting, there's nothing good, there's nothing about God within us. That word that's translated drifting, uh, drift away so that we do not drift away describes, uh, when I started reading the meanings of it, it really, uh, the, what happens to us at the beach uh, as we drift down, we're kind of drawn down, uh, is exactly what that word is, is about, uh, how we're swept away from, from safety and we're, we're carried away from the anchor that holds us in place. And that, a lot of things happen in, in our lives that can cause, cause that, you know, just troubles, hardships, uh, that, that take place. Worries, failures. We, get, we forget about God and we get caught up in that. Or, or sometimes we're just trying to live our lives. You know, we get married, have a child, get a new job, trying to start a career, just trying to live, uh, retiring, just trying to live and, and get things done. And, and we forget that the most important thing in our life is Jesus Christ and our relationship with the Father. We're so busy with the stuff that's going on in this world, we take our eyes off Jesus and we just start just getting involved in this stuff and it just covers us up and we're way down the beach and we're wondering, where is everybody? What happened? Uh, we think they went somewhere when actually it's us. But for now, here's what I'm going to do. I want to give you some bad advice. After all, that is the, the title of the series, right? So I got to give you some bad advice uh, this morning. And I say to this, if you're tired of God's blessings, if you're tired of God's goodness in your life. If you've had enough of God's help in time of trouble, if you just don't want any more of God's comfort when you're, tr when you're troubled, if you're tired of, of living a life that actually matters and has an eternal significance, if you're tired of God's protection for you 
and your family. If you want to drift away from God, then here's what to do. Number one is neglect your time with God. Uh, now, if you were honest, somebody might say, yeah, I knew you'd start there. I, know, I knew you'd talk about that. Well, it's just, it's a basic, right? If you want to drift away from God, neglect your time with God. Most of you remember David, the shepherd, the giant killer, the king, the poet. He wrote Psalm 63. Psalm 63 has a title, by the way. At the top of it, it says in parentheses, the Psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of Judah. Now, I don't know exactly when that was, whether it was when he was running away from Saul or what, but at some point he's in the wilderness, he's thirsty, he's maybe on his own, uh, he's running or traveling, and so he's out here in this desert where there's no water and there's nothing to protect him, and he says, you, God, are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. You're the most important thing. I just look for you all the time. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. That was, David's, uh, Dave, that was David's approach to God out in the desert. So if you want to drift from God, don't do that. Don't seek God. Don't yearn for God. Don't long for God. Instead, neglect your time with God. Don't have a plan to spend time with God. Don't, don't have a plan for, for reading your Bible and studying and praying and memorizing God's Word. And, 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 you know, it's okay if you want to read your Bible every once in a while, but just don't have a plan for reading it regularly and spending time in it every day. And, and don't involve your friends and family because they might pray for you and they might encourage you and they might, and, 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 and they might even hold you accountable uh, for what you're supposed to be doing. Uh, God, and, and if you spend too much time in God's Word, God, God might speak encouragement into your life. Uh, through that. And, and he might build you up in your faith and he might speak strength into your life through his word. So if you want to drift from, from God, then, then, then do away with your time with God, starting with don't have a regular time and plan for spending time in God's word. Don't worship. You certainly don't want to do that. If you come to church, be sure you don't sing or participate in the service in any way whatsoever. Don't pay attention don't get involved in anything. Uh, don't rejoice in the goodness of God. Of course, best of all would be just, you know, don't go to church at all. If you want to drift from God, just don't go to church or just come every once in a while. Uh, just make it a, a stop every once in a while to make yourself feel better. Don't pray. Don't think about others. Don't serve. Don't give. As best you can, ignore God and neglect your time with Him. If you want to drift from God, that's the way it starts. Neglect your time with God. Here's the second thing. If you want to drift from God, hang around with the wrong people. That's because it's impossible to live the right life when you hang around with the wrong friends. If you want to be outside of the will of God, if you want to drift away from Him, hang around with some really ungodly bad people. Be sure, by the way, it's not always bad to hang around with bad people because if you're there because you want to influence them, to Christ and because you want to be a testimony to them, you should have some of those relationships in your life. But, but just be there uh, just because you, it makes you feel better to be around people that you're better than. And do that because of this. 1 Corinthians 15, says, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good 
character. Be sure you don't hang around people who are faithful in their walk and in their relationship with Jesus. They'll encourage you. They might hold you accountable. They might pray for you. Uh, they might help you live a better life. So don't be around that kind of people at all. Remember, those people are just hypocrites. All those people that say they live for Christ, they're just a bunch of hypocrites anyway. So hang around with people who ignore Jesus, use foul language, watch really bad stuff on television and at the movies, and that will drag you down. That'll get you away from God for sure. And if you really, really, really want to go for it, date somebody who doesn't believe in God or doesn't have to want to have anything to do with God. Or better than that, marry somebody who doesn't believe in God and doesn't want to have anything to do with God. They don't have to be a really, really bad person. They could even be somebody that says, I believe in God, but actually they don't believe in Him. It's just kind of a social thing with them. So if you want to drift from God, number one, neglect your time with God. Number two, hang around with the wrong kind of people. Here's the third thing. Give in to temptation. Now, everybody gets tempted, by the way. Give in to temptation. The real reason to do that is because sin is fun, or so I've heard. Sin can be a blast until you get a disease, or you get arrested, or you kill somebody, or you kill yourself, or you lose your job, or you lose your children, or you lose your marriage, or you, lose your, you, you make a fool of yourself, or whatever. You know what I'm talking about. It's just fun. It's just a whole lot of fun uh, to be a sinner. Here's what James, Jesus' brother, said about temptation, by the way. And, and let me say this. In the book of Hebrews, where we started, it says that Jesus was tempted in every way just like we are, yet he didn't sin. So it can't be a sin to be tempted. The sin is when we give in to temptation. But James said this in James 1.14, but each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Let's stop there for just a minute. Dragged away, that word is actually a hunting term, and it speaks of baiting a trap to entice an animal from what is real safety to what appears to be safety. And so there's the, the turkey call, you know, and uh, they're trying to get that deer to walk into the right place or that animal to walk in and get his foot in a trap. No animal knowingly does that. But James said each person is tempted when they are lured into the trap. The word entice, that last word there, is a fishing term. It refers to baiting the hook. Not only a bait not only attracts the fish, but it hides the hook. You know, you put that bait where, pe where the fish can't see the hook, and in a spiritual way, the bait keeps us from seeing the consequences of our sin. And so James said each person is tempted when they're dragged away toward the trap, by their own evil desire and enticed by the bait that's covering up the hook. Verse 15, then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin when it is full grown gives birth to death. When we allow our desires to run wild after desire has conceived, we allow our desires to run wild, we give into the temptation, the result is sin breaking God's law, fun for a while. The end result of that is this: when it's full grown, when it runs its course, it gives birth to death. That could be physical death. People do die because of sin. It could be the death of a relationship. 
It could be the death of a career. It could be the death of your health. It could be death of your education. It could be the death of your, of your budget. It could be spiritual death. You know, people uh, uh, are continually are drawn away from God before they ever trust Him. So when temptation comes along, don't fight it. Just give in. Tell yourself, hey, this, this, is, this is one little thing here that I like to do. It's my way of coping. You know, somebody's got to have something to cope with the world. And, 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 and it's just who I am. It's the kind of thing that I can't overcome. And after all, no one is, what? No one's perfect, right? Nobody's perfect. Everybody's got their little thing uh, that they do. Everybody doing it. Everybody does it this way. Now, it doesn't make any, I don't care, you know, what, you know, parents said or, or what the Bible says or anything. You have, and by the way, if you have to bring it to God, and say, well, yeah, I sort of do believe in God. If you have to bring it to God, just ask him to forgive you, but just keep on doing it anyway. Tell yourself he understands I'm special. You know, I, there, I have special circumstances in my life, and so it's okay if I do this. Above all, just have an, a way that you can explain it to yourself so that God can't drift in there. If you want to drift away from God, neglect your time with God, hang around with the wrong people, give in to temptation. Here's number four. Love this world more than you love God. Make this, the things of this world top priority. First, first John chapter 2, verse 15, John was this guy who was the closest one of the 12 guys to Jesus. And he wrote this, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. So if you want to drift from God, fall in love with the world because then the love for the Father will not be in you. Sell out to materialism. Make everything about stuff. Believe the lie that it, having enough stuff will make you possible, if it will, will make you happy. If possible, get into debt because there's nothing like, like the bondage of debt to go along with having a whole bunch of stuff. Always obsess about things that don't matter, like your house and your, your car and, and, and what people think about you and that kind of thing. And by the way, we live in, we're in a sports-crazy uh, world. Uh, uh, don't just enjoy sports. Make sports the focal point of your life. Fitness is good, but spend more time in the gym than you do helping people and worshiping God and spending time with your family. Spend as much time as you can with whatever your obsession, your passion, your favorite uh, hobby or sport is. Here's a, here's a couple of pictures that, that illustrate my favorite hobby or sport. Live to ride, ride to live. There's always a picture of a skull somewhere. I don't know why. <laughs> it's, it seems like it's picturing death. Live to ride, ride to live. Well, actually, see, those are the Harley guys, right, Dave? Those are the Harley guys. Uh, I'm a BMW guy, so we're much more sophisticated. We say it like this. Next picture. Make life a ride. And that's cooler. Make life, make life a ride. Uh, uh, in other words, make, and, and wouldn't Harley or BMW or any of the rest of them, wouldn't they really like for you to make your whole life about that? Because then you're going to do what? Spend money for them. And so they make up these sayings, and, and we get caught up in these things. Uh, uh, is there anything wrong with riding or, or sports or, or fitness? Fitness is good. No, there's nothing. We're not saying that any of these things are bad, but when you make your whole life about that, that is what is wrong. Always be dissatisfied. Always want more. That will ensure that you drift farther and farther away from God. If you want to drift from God, neglect your time with God. Uh, hang around with the wrong people. Give in to temptation. Love this world more than you love God. And there's just one more thing. I want to mention to you. Number five, 
if all else fails, just fake it. If all else fails, just, just fake it. Uh, act like you're close to God when you're really not. Don't try to get any closer to God. Just put a smile on your face and act like you're really close to God. It's what the prophet Isaiah said in the Old Testament, Isaiah 29, 13. He said, the Lord says this, these people, he's talking about Israel, not us, but we get in the same situation. These people come near to me with their mouth. They talk a good game. And they honor me with their lips. You know, it's all what's going on in the outside, but their heart. That's what God wants. Their heart is far from me. Their worship of me is based on merely human rules they have been taught. In other words, uh, they, they talk a good game. You know, they do all the right things. They lift their hand up. They say uh, good words and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but really, their heart is not involved in it. You don't have to be uh, overly immoral. Just fake your relationship uh, with God. You can come to church every once in a while, say the right things, use some holy language like praise and hallelujah and, 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 and providence and sanctification and some of those words. Put a Christian bumper sticker uh, on your car, but just fake it. Well, obviously, that's some terrible advice, right? All those things are really terrible. And I hope you understand the sarcasm of it today. And I hope you also, like me, saw yourself uh, in some of those things. The point is that we all sometimes live as though we're following terrible advice. And I will say this, it's easy for pastors to just fake it sometimes. You know, we read a, the Bible a lot, and we pray a lot, and we say holy words a lot. But that doesn't mean that pastors are always spiritual. Sometimes uh, we're neglecting our time with God and uh, maybe giving in to temptation in certain areas. Uh, and so we're full-time pastors, but only part-time followers of Christ. And that's what you have to watch out for. Full-time businessman, part-time follower of Christ. Full-time teacher, part-time follower of Christ. Uh, Full-time retiree, part-time follower of Christ. The thing is, whatever else you do, full-time follower of Christ, that's what we're supposed to be. That's supposed to be the focal point of our life. Sometimes we become like this church uh, in, in a city called Sardis, which would be modern, in modern-day Turkey. In the book of Revelation, John wrote to them, you have a re reputation for being alive, but you're really dead. You're not really alive at all. So here's the question. What, what should we do? What do we do? What do we do about all these kinds of things? Of course, to start with, don't do those things we talked about today. <laughs> don't take all that bad advice. Don't neglect your time with God. Don't hang around with the wrong people for the wrong reason. Don't give in to temptation. Don't love this world more than you love God. Don't just fake it. Don't do those things. And then we get some good advice from the book of Revelation. Now, let me just say a little comment about the book of Revelation. Revelation is what gives the meaning to the word apocalypse. And we get the wrong idea about what Revelation is. Revelation is a book in the Bible uh, that John wrote down, direct revelation from Jesus Christ, and he addressed it to seven churches. Now, these seven churches, this is, can you see the red arrow there? And it's pointing to the star that says Ephesus. And then there's Pergamon, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, Laodicea, and Smyrna. There's seven real cities, real people, real churches. And the book of Revelation was actually written to, though, addressed to those churches meant to be put in the Bible and, and kept for us. It had, the book of Revelation has very little to do with predicting the future and everything to do with hope 
for the future. It's a book of hope for those who know and serve Christ and a book of warning for those who do not. And when things are going badly and when the world seems to be falling apart, it gives us hope to know that God is in control and He is ultimately victorious. That's what the book of Revelation is really all about. Now, to this first church, red arrows pointing to the church at Ephesus, to this first church, uh, the first one mentioned in the book of Revelation, the church at Ephesus, there are numerous commendations, but there is this warning. Revelation chapter 2 verse 4 says this, Yet I hold this against you, you have forsaken the love you had at first. That love that you had for Jesus to start with, that passion that you had for God to start with, that love that you had for your neighbor to start with, you have drifted away from that. Now, 35 years prior to the time that John wrote this down by revelation from Christ, Paul the Apostle wrote the book of Ephesians, which was written to the church at Ephesus, and he commended them for their love. And he commended them for their sacrifice. But now, by this time, they're all second-generation Christians. That's all the children of those people that were really on fire for God. And and they're, they're doctrinally pure, and they're working really hard, but they've lost the passion that they had for God and for Christ. And so what are we going to do about that? Well, verse 5 tells us. It says this, Consider how you're fallen. Repent and do the things you did at the first. Now, I often use this passage of Scripture, by the way, uh, when when I'm talking with young couples and married couples that are having problems, teaching them how to rebuild their love. Because the same way we rebuild our love and passion for Christ, we can rebuild our love and passion for each other. So the the, uh, first, uh, we talk about remember, repent, repeat. The first word is remember. He says, consider how far you have fallen. Remember. Remember what it was like when you first trusted Christ. Remember what it was like when when you were really close to God. Consider how far you have fallen since then, where you have drifted to since then. Then the second word is repent. Repent and do the first things, things you used to do. What does the word repent mean? Uh, I don't know if Todd thinks about this, but one of the things I think about when I hear the word repent, and this is not what the, what the word is about, but when I pastored in Central Florida and Todd was uh, just a youngster, uh, one of the things that repent meant was that every few weeks a certain person would come down during the invitation and put his can of skull on the altar. You know, uh, I never knew what happened to that can, can of skull, by the way. It always disappeared after church was over with, but that was repentance. You know, I'm going to take my can of skull down and put it on the altar. But the word repent, while it's, you know, it's right with all kinds of meaning, very simply it means to change your mind or to change the way that you're thinking, to make a reversal in your life. Change my mind about what? About everything. About everything. Change your entire way of thinking about the world. Change your mind about God. God is real. He is the creator of the universe. He is the savior. He's the judge of the universe. He's the only hope uh, for you and your family. He's the only thing that has anything, any meaning at all. This life, the most important thing about this life is it is an opportunity uh, to prepare for living eternally with God. And the only things that ultimately matter in this life are the things that matter to God and the things that last for eternity. So put God first. That's, that's what he's saying there. So remember, repent, repent, change your mind about that. And then the third word is the word repeat. Repeat. 
after you consider, you remember, and after you repent, change your mind about it, then go back and do the things you did at first. I tell couples, you know, that they've been married for five years or 10 years or, or, or 30 years, and things aren't like they used to be. Uh, we talk about this, and we say, you remember what, what, you, what you did when you were dating? You remember, remember how much you loved that girl and, you know, what you did for her then? Remember how, what you did for him? Go back and do that, st- that same stuff again. So, if you realize you have drifted, do you remember the things that you did when you were close to God? Do you remember when you were passionate in prayer? Do you remember when you just couldn't wait for that time when you could get along with God and read His Word? Was there a time in your life when church was not optional, when it was actually the focal point of life? Rather than something that you just did when you had time or when it was convenient or when your conscience bothered you. Remember, repent, repeat. Spend time with God. Hang around with godly people. Not just godly people. You need some people that, as your friends that don't know God so that you can influence them to Him. But hang around with, with godly people. Resist temptation put god first in everything remember repent repeat that's the key to rebuilding the love the passion that we once had for god now perhaps you've never had such a relationship with god perhaps you have there's never been a time in your life where you so believed in the message of Jesus, the person of Jesus, that he died for your sins and that he resurrected with power to give you eternal life. Maybe there's never been a time in your life when you placed your life in his hands, when you placed your trust in him. I'm not saying repeat certain words. I'm saying when you placed your faith, your life in his hands. Well, his hand is extended to you today. And for you, we close with this most famous verse in the Bible, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world. That's you, that's everybody else. We had been saying last month, the mess. You know, <laughs> For God so loved you, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that is Jesus, that whoever believes in him, God sent Jesus to the earth, God came to the earth as Jesus, died for your sins, so that whoever places their faith and trust in him should not perish, should not die spiritually, but have everlasting life. That's how much God loves you, every single one of us. That's what God did for us. That's what we need to keep in mind if we've already trusted him. That's what should motivate us in our life. If you want to drift away from God, just do those things that we said were bad advice. But if you want to get close to God, remember, remember where you were to start with. Repent. Change your mind about that. Turn, turn in op, the opposite direction in your heart about that and then go back and do those things that you did when you were close to God. Let's pray. I know you're here with us today, Father, and I thank you for that. We all drift. Every single person here, we drift in our lives. Sometimes it's because things are going too well. Sometimes it's because we just think we're overwhelmed by the problems of life. Sometimes it's because we just get busy and our focus changes and we forget. And 
we ask you to forgive us of that. Help us to remember, to repent, change, and to repeat the things that you gave us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Please stand. Let's sing together.